Hello fellow Kentuckians and other friends and welcome to a new edition of my old Kentucky podcast. My name is Robert Connie and joining me as always is Jasmine Smith. Jasmine, how are you today? I'm doing well, Robert. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Uh, we are in between interviews. We have two interviews that we are doing today. We just wrapped up with Debbie Lucas Angel. She's running in the 61st District in Northern Kentucky. Uh, she's south of, you know, she's not along the river. She's in Boone, Kenton, Gallatin, and Grant counties. Um, but she's running against Savannah Maddox. So um, definitely a race that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in, see who we've got running in, in that race. I, I really liked her. Uh, she definitely has um, an astute mind for the budget. She, she has talked about campaigning in in rural Kentucky, being a rural person as a Democrat running in a district like that. I thought that the interview went really well. What'd you think, Jasmine? Yeah, I agree. She's incredibly smart, and and she also you know knows the district well that she's running in, and and knows how to talk to those people. And she also recognizes that she's in a tough district, and that you know part of what she's doing is just trying to educate people. And so it was really interesting to hear someone talk about that. Right, absolutely. So whenever we get done doing this part, we're gonna hop on. Um, we're gonna hop on with Megan Brannon, who is running in the 70th district, which is along the river, but further east. She's in Mason, Bracken, Robertson, and Harrison counties. Um, you may remember her because a couple of weeks ago, when we talked to Kelly Jones, she mentioned uh, Megan Brannon as the the represent or the, the politician she most wanted to emulate. So um, mm-hmm. uh, what we know about her so far, we'll, we'll know more when we're finished with our interview is is that she um, has a child that, that has autism spectrum disorder. She's a strong advocate for, for disability rights or for people like her son. Um, and, and she's, uh, you know, dedicated her life, her professional life to to uh, that that issue. So we're going to talk to her about that. I'm really excited for that interview. Jasmine, um, are, are, yeah, I guess I guess you're probably you're looking forward to it, too. Yeah, she got a glowing review from Kelly Jones already. So yeah. I'm expecting good things. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much what the show is going to consist of this week. Just those two interviews. But we do have a few quick hits we wanted to just mention before we get to the interview so let's go ahead and hop to those all right so first is from me andy Bashir voiced his displeasure with fema during president biden's trip to eastern kentucky and the agency has already said that they're going to make changes so the big issue is that so many people were being rejected uh for funding they were getting like these rejection letters after requesting funding and you know people whose houses were you know basically underwater getting rejection letters from fema seems ridiculous and i mean i've heard some people in some reporting say you know oh it's just the start of a conversation but that seems kind of silly that we're this is how you're starting the conversation is with a denial. But, you know, FEMA has made some changes. They have started calling and texting everybody that they denied to, I guess, tell them that, you know, please get back with us and see if you can appeal it. And there are going to be agents in the disaster recovery centers. I think there's several, I think there's like one per county in all of the affected counties down in eastern Kentucky, southeastern Kentucky. And there's going to be agents in each of those that can actually have the authority to approve claims, which is not something that they had previously. So it seems like, you know, there was a huge problem, definitely a problem, but but that, you know, uh, our governor um, and, and the president are, are doing what they can to, to change kind of the bureaucracy. Jasmine, did you follow this story at all? Uh, what do you think about it yeah a little bit i mean man it's just it's not really surprising i guess because it always feels so difficult to communicate with huge government agencies like trying to get um someone from the irs on the phone yeah or when everyone was filing for unemployment in kentucky a a couple years ago and so i'm not surprised that there have been issues but it's really terrible because they're in crisis yeah right now so yeah. It, it's good that they're 
they're trying to fix things. Right. And I mean, we we're they're doing this now. And the president was in town in eastern Kentucky to talk, to talk about this flooding. But this was also a huge problem in western Kentucky during the tornadoes mm-hmm. earlier this year. So, yeah. So it is like something hopefully hopefully the changes that that will be brought by this change will uh, will actually make a difference to folks all over the state who have had to deal with some really, really terrible situations. Okay, the next thing, uh, following up on Jasmine's story from last week, former LMPD officer Kelly Goodlett, who was indicted uh, on federal charges, but but Jasmine was correct to say um, that she has indeed reached a plea deal with the federal prosecutors in charge of the Breonna Taylor case. So, Jasmine, good work. Nice prediction there. Uh, you were able <laughs> to read you. the tea leaves there. So, But, yeah, nice, nice confirmation there. So just to remind folks, um, there are four people that were indicted. It's pretty clear that she has some kind of deal. I mean, Jasmine, do you mm-hmm. feel like that this is going to mean she's going to testify maybe against some folks or like how, how does that usually work? Well, so there were three indictments and then one information uh, okay. and hers was the information. It's just a, it's a different type of charging document, uh, which was a signal to me that she had a deal, but not just that uh, the information contained in the indictment against Joshua James about like the garage meeting. I assume that had to come from her. Yeah. Um, so she has some kind of deal to testify to that fact or, or for, you know, providing the information. So I think that yeah. there's probably some agreement <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one, um, Roberto, Roldan of WFPL did an interview with the Louisville Metro Department of Corrections new director, Jerry Collins, um, that I think is worth reading. So Collins inherited, you know, quite a crisis at the jail. We've talked about it a lot on our show. And he answered a lot of questions about how to improve and move forward in that interview. Um, Robert, you and I kind of talked about it we felt like he answered some really difficult questions, but there were things we were left wanting to know more about things like programming uh, for incarcerated people, reentry programming, things like that. Um, so did you have anything else to add there? Yeah. Just to say that, you know, I, I'm not like skeptical of what he said. I'm just, I would like to have known more. Uh, I would like to have had some more clear answers about those. Uh, th- Jasmine, when, when you've talked about reform in the jail, which is something you've talked about many, many times as somebody who worked very directly and was in the jail quite a bit, those are specifically things that you had named. And those were things that he had laid down to say, we're working on them now. And then there wasn't really that much, much follow up. So I would like to learn more. To learn, you know, I, of course, you don't want this stuff to be lip service, and and you know, we don't, we just don't know. Uh, that that's all I I'm there to say. I think it's all good that he mentioned mm-hmm. it. I just wish that we knew more about it so we could know if it's if it's just a little good or if it's actually like true good reform um, that he's supporting there. He also said he was working with the Louisville Bail Project, um, which is good. You know, that's not something um, that's not a partnership that was natural. I don't think at the beginning. Um, so it's nice to see that there is some stuff that's happening there um, where. where they're able to kind of work together on on that issue yeah definitely uh our last quick hit is about masking so daniel cameron issued a letter urging jcps to end their mask mandate um and he also said that his office is evaluating whether jcps has the authority to impose health policies the legislature decided to leave it up to localities uh, but now the attorney general is urging a local school district uh, to end their mask mandate. 
An attorney in Louisville also put out a call for parents with religious beliefs against masking to contact him. And he said he anticipates filing a federal lawsuit. So it seems that we, we may be getting a lawsuit, maybe multiple lawsuits about JCPS's mask mandate. Um, I think in my opinion, I have no inside information about this at all. I I do wonder if the JCPS mask mandate is not long for this world, uh, just from the JCPS school board. Like, they instituted it because it was in their policies, but it is the fact that JCPS is one of just a small number, even among very liberal school districts, to have a mask policy at all. Um, So it may just go away on its own. But if not... Uh, yeah, I mean, from Daniel Cameron's perspective, this is all political opportunism. It's a way for him to score points that runs completely counter uh, to mm-hmm. what he was saying before. Instead of being like, hey, let school districts decide. It's like, let all school districts decide except Louisville, which is, you know, what a Republican needs to do. Of course, it's where he lives. So that's kind of silly as well. Um, and then the, 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 the thing about the religious uh, belief thing is just asinine to me i mean i would assume that most of the people who uh, would be reaching out to this person would claim some sort of like christian belief against masking uh and it's i mean and i actually read this article where they like mentioned like a couple of bible verses and it's like you know i saw that too it's like traditional in all abrahamic religions uh orthodox christians orthodox muslims and orthodox jewish people to cover your head (laughs) like to wear coverings on your your head and face um that is that is what many people in in those our religions do in the first place so it's ridiculous um that they're going to be like no it's our religious belief to not wear anything on our face so um weird stuff weird stuff but not unpredictable i mean it is just kind of like it's political it's not religious it's political so yeah all right well those are the quick hits so let's go ahead and get to our interview with debbie lucas angel debbie lucas angel is the democratic candidate in the 61st district her district includes parts of Boone, Kenton, and Gallatin counties, as well as all of Grant County. She's a certified public manager and a farmer. She's facing Savannah Maddox in the November election, who has already filed to run for governor next year. Um, so, Debbie Lucas Angel, welcome to my old Kentucky podcast. Thank you. So I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're, we're very glad to be speaking with you. So first of all, I mean, you know, we, we know that you're a farmer. We know that you're a public manager. So, I mean, just besides those things, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, and why you decided to run for office this year. Well, basically, um, the reason I'm running is because as a constituent, as a uh, farmer and a retired uh, state employee, I know that our district is not being served. And uh, the public manager is a nationally recognized management for government, you know, for middle government. So I know what it takes. And in working for government, I know what government should be and shouldn't be. And I know it's not right now. A representative is supposed to represent 100 percent of their district. Um, Our district doesn't get that. And then they're also supposed to bring in revenue. And that's something that has never been done in this district. So we're not being served. And that was why. And then, you know, like you said, the incumbent is running for actively running for governor. Um, She has zero money in her uh, representative. She's filed to run representative on the ballot, but she has zero money in her KREF for that. It's all going into the governor's part of it. So while she's gallivanting all around the state, spending roughly maybe 20 percent of her time or less here in the 61st, the education is falling apart. 
the the drug issues are exploding we're losing families and then the budgeting the budgeting is you know like special interest and these things and all this kind of stuff and it's not being done properly so i saw all of that there was nobody else that seemed to want to run <laughs> and uh so i was kind of like well i guess i better go ahead and do it i did run by the way as a write-in um for 2020 i just ran for a month and i basically what i told everybody was they People were wanting to write in Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. And I said, well, let me do it as a write-in. And you can put a name in there of somebody that is real. And uh, and then I was asked to run again this time. So here I am. Well, we are definitely going to talk about Savannah Maddox a little bit later. But we want to talk about District 61. Mm -hmm. It kind of has a reputation for being one of the most conservative districts in the whole state. But, you know, we know that most districts have a more complicated story than what we know as outsiders. So tell us about District 61 and what makes it unique in Kentucky. Well, the 61st District, I've never heard that it was one of the most conservative. I mean, I know it's in Northern Kentucky and I know that, you know, the incumbent that has it and stuff, but um, they're just, you know, we're just regular people, farmers and everything. Um, you know, like I belong to the farmer's market and uh, we just do everything like the rest of the state does. Um, our biggest problem is our, our representative right now, you know, and uh, the problem is it does give us a bad name and, uh, and then not giving us a bad name. But another thing that you're going to probably know about is uh, the Ark Encounter. You guys have heard of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's about 10 minutes from my house. Yeah. And I can tell you more about that stuff if you're interested, but anyway, it's, you know, it's here, it is a thing. So, okay. Yeah, but the problem I have with, with it, and this is a problem we have here in the district that does make it a little different, is that while we don't have much industry, this brings in more service jobs. And so you wind up mm -hmm. getting hotels and restaurants. So the people are making minimum wage or less, and you know, it's not improving the life of the, of the folks around here. So that's one of the things to me that's more important trying to, to help the people here. I mean, we're supposed to give them a hand up, not try to press them down. Yeah, I think a, a big attraction like that certainly makes your district unique. We wanted to talk to you about, you know, something you've written. You've written before about how Democrats are not bad people. And mm -hmm. in that piece, you wrote about names that you've been called when folks discover you're a Democrat. So, you know, tell us how you manage to carry the democratic label in a more conservative district and what parts of the democratic message resonate in your area? Well, the, the thing that I do the most is I, I show by doing, you know, like a lot of people talk, but <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm in the farmer's market and I was president, but I stepped down because they don't need somebody running for office on one side or the other as the president of that market. You know, it's not political. Um, I belong to Fitness for Life around Grant County. I'm on the 4-H Council. I'm on the 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 council, um, the Extension Council. So I get out there, you know, and I've I've done horticulture, you know, like the 4-H horticulture and stuff. Mm -hmm. and I do that, and I'm on the Chamber of Commerce. You know, I, I think a person should involve themselves, you know, and give back. I mean, I've got degrees. I mean, I went to Morehead State University. And I think people should be able to do that if they want to, you know. And um, so that's, that's I'll, I show by doing, 
And a lot of people, I think, some, I think it kind of confuses them a little bit because they're used to thinking of Democrats as the evil, evil people, but yet they see me out there doing things for people. And they're like, oh. So that's one of the ways that I'm trying to, to reach out. And it's one of the ways that I do reach out to people is, you know, I'll have, I've got one guy that, that tells people I'm his only liberal friend, but, you know. <laughs> Like, he, okay, he probably has other liberal friends. They just don't want to talk to him about it. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So you we already mentioned this a little bit, but you're running against Savannah Maddox in the fall. And I think you're probably right that the people why the people outside of, of your area think it's a much more conservative area is just because she's the representative. And of course, she's probably the most conservative and dangerous member of the Kentucky House of Representatives, or at least from where I'm sitting, it seems that way. So I'm kind of curious, you know, as you're walking around, as you're talking to people talking to them about running for this seat you know what do they think about savannah maddox what do they say to you uh, about her record about kind of her very very conservative and you know kind of dangerous uh stances on and in, in, in my opinion do they share that opinion or how do they talk about it basically right now they don't talk much about any of it she's running for governor and they know she's running for governor and they're going to vote for her and like here in grant county they do it because she's you know, she's like a cousin or a whatever, or a friend of school with her. I mean, I saw a girl at the uh, uh, fair at Grand County Fair, and she's like, well, I went to school with Savannah, you know, and it's like, okay, it's really hard to, to, to fathom it, you know, and to, to like get a gauge on it. Mostly what I've been doing is going to the schools, to the, going to uh, board meetings, meeting with the superintendent. I'm trying to learn what they need. And this is what I tell people when I meet them. What do you need? You know, yeah, I've got my platform and, you know, and my platform is education, addressing a drug issue and proper budgeting. But I want to know what they need. And that's what I ask the schools and stuff. And I found out a lot. Uh, I mean, you know, because and they go into things like and, and people, most people don't understand these things like unfunded mandates. I'm trying to explain to everybody that. You know, the uh, the SROs and the mental health professionals that the schools are supposed to do, mm-hmm. that's unfunded. They're supposed to do yeah. that out of that extra whopping $100 that they gave them. But one of the things that I really don't like, we have people that have that have never been, have either never been to public school or went very seldom making decisions on what our schools are doing. And then they're also not even addressing the drugs. And that's the things I'm talking to people about. And I always have talked to them about. And then the budgeting, they don't understand budgeting at all, you know, because everybody seems to think, oh, budgeting is just like balancing my checkbook. No, that's not government budgeting. And that's why I chose those. And then that's why how I talk to people about it and explain it to them. Well, one thing I'm, I am curious about hearing you say that is, is you know, the interaction between folks that work in public industries like public schools or, or, or whatever, people with community interests that intersect with the government a lot of times. You know, sometimes in a conservative district, especially when you have a, a, a conservative member of the House that's opposed to government spending, like in general, uh, you don't get a lot of interaction between those folks and, and, and their representatives in Frankfurt. Um, so as you're talking to these folks, like, uh, what do they think about, you know, when you when you say, okay, well, you know, if I make it to Frankfurt, here's how I'm going to advocate for you. Is that something that they're familiar with? What, what, do they, what do they think whenever whenever you have those conversations with them? Mainly what they want to talk about is, and this is the way I always put it, guns, God, and gametes. They want to talk about abortion. They want to talk about they're taking my guns away. 
you know, they want to talk about, you know, religion needs to be in schools and things like that. And what I wind up doing is trying to pull them away from that, you know, and uh, it just, it's, it's hard to pull them away from it. Usually what I try to do is start out instead of starting out, Hey, I'm a Democrat and I'm running is start out just talking to them and talking to them one-on-one like farming. And I've told people that it really doesn't bother me that the area was gerrymandered to be so rural because I'm rural. And so I can talk to people and talk to them about their cows, about their farms, about the vegetables. I'm a master gardener. I can talk to them about that stuff. And that's what I wind up doing, talking to trying to get them engaged on that level instead of, you know, starting out, you know, politics. And it, it helps. But of course, again, a lot of times when they find out I'm a Democrat, you know, because that's one of the questions I'll ask, I'll tell them, well, you know, I'm a Democrat and I'm just like you. And they're like, Mm, mm. But the thing I do try to do is make them think. And that's the that's my main my main push here is to try to make them think and realize what a, it's, a lot of it is education on my part, educating people, what a representative is supposed to do and what is not being done and not helping them. Yeah, no, that that's really great. Because I mean, without anybody representing the Democratic Party or being the Democrat for those folks where they can learn, you know, here's what the Democratic Party actually stands for. And here's what we're able to do for rural districts. You know, they're never gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna learn about it from me in Louisville. They're gonna learn about it from you. That's who they're gonna listen Mm -hmm. to. So that's that's I'm really glad that you're running so that you're able to do that. We've talked a lot already about how Savannah Maddox is running for governor. I think you already said people know that. And, and you know, they're like, well, I guess if she's running for governor and she's from here, I guess I'll vote for her. But do – tell us – I mean, are you able to communicate, well, she's supposed to be here helping you? Uh, is that something that's come up much? And how has that conversation gone? It doesn't come up a whole lot. Um, it's starting to. And one of the reasons is because I'm bringing it up. Uh, you know, it's like she's actually running for representative, you know, even though she's out there actively going for governor. And a friend of mine was at uh, Boone County um, at the fair back last Monday and said that, you know, she was there at the fair, which is one of the few times she's in her area. And uh, there were a lot of Savannah Matic, you know, Savannah for governor. That's her T-shirts. And this this woman was running up to him and going, hey, you, you know, she's actually running for representative. And the response was, oh, she's got that in the bag. You know, and it's like that's what I'm having to fight against to try to explain to him that, you know, you know, when she when she announced, she announced in the 66th district. And this is something that I keep telling people. She was up in Burlington in the 66th district. She didn't even have the decency to announce in the 61st, the people that put her in office, that she was going to run for governor. And uh, it was, and, you know, they kind of look at me like, you know, well, you know, whatever. But it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You voted to put her in there. Let's, you know, <laughs> what do you, what do you really want from your representative? You know, she's not, and she's, you know, Dropping the age of carrying a handgun down to 18 is not going to help anybody. And that'll be one of her first things she does when she goes in in January. If, she, if she's in there in January, I guarantee you that's the first thing she'll do. So, you know, you you mentioned when you talk to people about issues, they, they want to talk about guns and abortion. And you have written in the past about how you're a supporter of abortion rights. And we've been 
you know, surprised to see how many Democratic candidates are openly and loudly supporting abortion rights in this cycle, um, especially in rural areas, because that, that's kind of a change from the past. Um, do you think that the Dobbs ruling has had an impact on how you've talked about is- this issue on the campaign trail? Do you have, you know, constituents that this issue resonates with? Um. Most, uh, a lot of the people I talked to, I had a lady tell me the other day that, you know, overturning abortion is the way God's going to come back to the state. And then what I did was instead of talking to her about abortion, because we were talking about Amendment 2, what I did is I explained to her that that was literally a change in the constitution of our state. And we really don't want to be messing with our constitution, do we? And they shake their head no. And it was funny because her husband stood back while she was trying to drag him off. And he's going, now, what is this? <laughs> and uh, so it hasn't changed the way that I talk about it. Um, running for office has changed a little bit. I'm not quite as aggressive about it. But uh, what I tell people is that abortion is not something that even belongs in government. It's a women's issue. It's a health care issue. And the, if a woman makes that decision, the only thing government should do is make sure that they have proper health care and counseling. And that's it. You know, anything else is overreaching government. And most people will stand back and go, huh. You know, and then they, you know, they won't talk about it after that, which yeah. is really good because I don't want to sit there and have a have a theological discussion on, you know, when life begins and all that. And it's like, just please, <laughs> I'm not running, you know, to be your preacher. But that, that definitely makes sense to talk about it from that perspective in the district that you're in, because that's where a lot of, you know, like small government liberty candidates have had success. So I, you know, I think that that is probably a great way to do it. Um, We wanted to talk to you about a couple other issues too. So, you know, you've worked as a farmer in the past and your district has some of the best farmland in the state. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about how you would approach agricultural issues if you were elected? Well, under the budget part plank on my my platform, um, what I'm looking at is hemp and medical marijuana. And the reason I'm doing that is because that is an indigenous crop. It grows wild, you know. And, you know, hemp, the problem with hemp right now is the THC level. They've got it set so low that the farmer cannot produce it. Because when they come in and they test it, like with the CBD oil and all that, and and then also putting everything into the CBD oil. What we need to do is we need to make it to where the farmers can raise these crops. Then we can process them here in Kentucky. And then we can distribute them here from Kentucky. So that's going to help the farmers. A lot of the farm, you know, they have the, the diversification, you know, whenever the tobacco was done away with. And uh, well, not completely done away with it, but when they they did most of it and they got the price support, you know, the price, the sports in. Um, The thing is, the diversification, you know, they had like goats and bees and wine. Wine is a really big one right now and stuff. But a lot of the farmers weren't able to to do that kind of stuff, you know, and they should be able to raise hemp and medical marijuana, basically like you raise tobacco. It's real similar. And uh, like I said, it's indigenous to this, to this. And uh, so they could be able to actually start growing. And our farmers right now, they're having to work one, two, and three jobs off the farm. 
Mm -hmm. um, in our farmer's market, there are two full-time farmers. One of them also drives a truck and the other one also builds and his wife works. And the first one's wife works too. It's the only way they can, you know, small farmers, you know, the, the mega farms, the, the monocropping and all of that stuff needs attention, needs to stop. But this, this whole thing of bigger is better. I mean, I understand where that's coming from, but it's like bigger is not necessarily better. You know, when you're wanting to make a living off of your farm, you should be able to make a living off your farm instead of having to get, you know, more acreage and more acreage. I mean, look at Kentucky. The traditional, this part of Kentucky is hilly. You know, you got 100 acres in this part of Kentucky. You got a big old farm and there's very little you can do on it, you know, because you got up there and down here. But um, but being able to raise that raise, you know, a kid and marijuana would help them immensely, I think. Yeah, you're you're definitely not the first person to talk about the issues that farmers are facing, having to work multiple jobs. Um, we've had other rural candidates and officials talk to us about that before. Uh, before we let you go, you know, besides agriculture and we've, we've talked a little bit about reproductive rights, um, what are some of the other issues that are important to you that you would want to champion in Frankfurt? Education. The the planks that are on my platform, I've talked to that a little bit, uh, is, you know, uh, supporting public education and addressing the drug issue and then providing proper budgeting. Our educational system is under attack. Our teachers, I was talking to some folks the other day in an interview and they were all teachers and stuff. And it was kind of neat because I think we took a little longer than we should have because we got to, I haven't been a state employee. I understand what, what's going on with them, you know, but unfunded mandates, you know, I mean, we, you know, like I said, I think it's wrong to have public funds to go to private schools, to home schools and to religious schools. If I'm paying my tax dollars for public schools, they should go to public schools and we should support them. And that hundred dollars a student that they gave this year was to me was a slap in the face. You know, and then they th started throwing on things that they're supposed more things to do and then they didn't fund them. It's vote getting. And I'm, I'm so tired of all of this, you know, treating our teachers like they're scum. And the whole thing is crazy. And then our, our drugs, the, the folks that are trapped in the, in the, the cycle of drugs, you know, the only way that people treat them right now, the, the government stuff is treating them to a certain extent, is um, punishment and shame. You know, you should be ashamed of yourself for using drugs. And, okay, well, here, let's put you in jail because you're on drugs. And, and, and it's insane. And then the budgeting is another thing. Uh, the one, the best one I've got, I kind of glanced through the budget a little bit, is they took 300000 I had heard about it, so I investigated. They took put $300,000, and it's down in Todd County. It's the Jefferson Davis Memorial Park. The, apparently the pavilion down there, and it says raised, but I think it was raised. But anyway, they appropriated $300,000 to repair that pavilion. And it's like, how many teacher salaries would that be? How many books would that be? What about sewage treatment plants, water treatment plants, roads? Those things, that money could be put for something that would be good for the district, good for the state, instead of 
taking care of <laughs> taking care of the, the you know yeah. godfather of the confederacy right right well I, I will say somebody who cares about small farmers education and, and also is willing to look through the budget with a fine-tooth comb that sounds like a good representative to me so if people are interested to learn more about you miss angel how, how can people find your website or learn more about you or join your campaign if that's something they want to do um, my website is debbielucasangel.com and it's Debbie with a Y. So it's not the E-B-B-I-E, it's the E-B-B-Y. And then my, they can just do, just look on uh, the Facebook. I've got Debbie Lucas Angel for Kentucky. I think it's 061, but more than likely, if you just, you know, just do a search, it'll pop up. And then it's DLA four underscore six one at rather at DLA four underscore six one on Twitter. And I'm just gearing up on my Twitter, so I'm trying to get better at it. Well, you'll find some friends there for sure. We got a lot of good got a lot of good folks that are running for office on there this this time around. All right. Well, Debbie Lucas Angel, thank you so much for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. All right. Thank you guys so much for the opportunity to speak with you. All right. You have a good day. Now let's get to our interview with Megan Brannon. Megan Brannon is the Democratic candidate in the 70th district, which includes Mason, Bracken, Robertson, and Harrison counties. The major population centers are Maysville, Cynthiana, and Augusta. Ms. Brannon is the mother of three children, including a son with autism spectrum disorder, and she's a fierce advocate for people like her son, and she's currently the director of Sprinkles of Hope, a nonprofit bakery in Maysville that employs people who have special needs. Uh, So Megan Brannon, welcome to my old Kentucky podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're really thrilled to have you on. You're one of the candidates that we've heard other people talk about. And, you know, we're, we're really thrilled to hear what you have to say. So, you know, your current job, the one that you spend your, your time in now is one that directly spo- supports people with disabilities. And, you know, just from what we're able to see from over here in Louisville, it does seem like your efforts are truly improving the lives of the employees at the bakery. So, you know, you've decided to take on this other huge responsibility in running to be a part of the legislature. Why did you do that? in the midst of all the things that you're already doing? So, you know, essentially I've been advocating for people my entire adult life. Um, My background before opening Sprinkles of Hope was I was a nurse and I worked in several different settings as a nurse. So, you know, um, advocating for patients' rights and their families. Um, And then when my son was nine is when I decided to start the bakery. So I wanted basically in our area, if you can't be a bagger at Kroger, there's not a whole lot uh, individuals with disabilities can do. And uh, I wanted to give uh, more opportunity, something to put on a resume to get that first job, get those job skills. So I knew nothing about business, absolutely nothing, uh, really wasn't interested in it. If you would have told me in college I'd be running a business, I would say no way. Um, but it has been the coolest thing ever. Um, we have a great entrepreneur center. They helped me write up a business plan. Um, we raised money. We never had to take out a loan. Our community is awesome. We started out as a small bakery with one case, and now we are a bakery and cafe. We serve breakfast and lunch and have four um, cases of sweets. I have more uh, employees with a disability than without. And we've made it through COVID and we've been open for four years. So I, I am just so incredibly proud. Individuals with disabilities are incredible employees. They want to come to work. They don't want to miss. Um, you know, they're, they're driven, they're goal driven. They don't care about workplace drama. So I really wanted to take this passion and love for advocacy to the state level because we're not seeing that. We're not having these conversations 
in the legislature and these conversations need to be happening. So my, my business uh, brain wants to brag on these employees and how important it is, especially, you know, if so many businesses need, need workers right now. Right. So why aren't we tapping into that demographic that is so ready and able to work? And then obviously my, my mom brain just wants, wants the opportunity. These, you know, our, our best parts of our lives don't happen in high school. It's when we graduate and we go out into the workforce and we make best friends and we have experiences. And I think everybody should get to experience that. So I'm coming to the legislature and I'm going to tell everybody how awesome it is. And I'm hoping to get people excited about it. Well, all of that sounds amazing. I would love to come to your bakery sometime. It sounds great. Um, we want to talk about some other things in your district too. So district 70 yeah. includes four full counties. Um, and, you know, we know that county lines are pretty important to Kentucky politics. Um, so can you tell us a bit about your district and how you're connecting with folks from Cynthiana all the way to Maysville and Augusta? Absolutely. So I grew up in Bracken County, but went to school in Mason County, um, a, pr a private Catholic school. And uh, Robertson County is the smallest county in Kentucky. And then um, Cynthiana is, uh, Harrison County, excuse me, is um, so exciting. So uh, with redistricting, we dropped Fleming and picked up Harrison. Um, Coleman Elridge is from Harrison County. Harrison County has the greatest um, Democratic party in their county, plus a women's group. Um, they have they have welcomed me with open arms and they have so much going on there. Um, my friends, you know, say like, what are you, what are you doing in Cynthia or what is there to do? There is something to do every <laughs> weekend. I cannot believe how cool their downtown is and how thriving it is. It's just the coolest place. So I'm so excited that they're in our district right now. Um, we've been pretty much blue. We have had um, a democratic representative all of my childhood growing up. Um, it was Mike Denham and he served for, for several years. So this last um, race, um, my, my opponent flipped it, flipped our county and I'm just going to flip it right back. You know, we had, we had a couple years where we went wrong and now I'm going to flip it back and we're going to be blue again. We're going to, we're going to keep moving forward. Yeah. That's kind of my next question. So, you know, district 70 has been represented by a Democrat until recently. Um, but it also tends to vote Republican and other types of races. So tell us about running for office as a Democrat. Do you, you know, you feel like people write you off because of your party affiliation and, and what do you do to keep conversations going? Sure. I really try to steer people, you know, when that first question is what party are you? Um, I really try to steer people from that. I don't, I don't want to be put in a box. Um, because I, I don't fit in a box, you know, I, I obviously I relate to the to the Democratic Party and, and I'm more liberal, but I really don't like to be um, generalized. So I talk about myself and and my goals and how my background is in so many different areas. Um, and, and I want to continue to to grow and learn and represent not just the demographic of those with disabilities, but a demographic that that needs my help, like with substance abuse. And um, obviously, healthcare is a big issue. So I think it's talking about the issues instead of the party. My hope for this race is that they're not going to pull that straight um, Republican ticket. We have a lot of awesome Democratic candidates. Our judge executive in Mason County is Democratic, as well as in Bracken, um, and Harrison. So, you know, if 
we're hoping that us few Democrats that are really rocking and rolling and kicking butt are going to keep them from doing that straight ticket, which kind of killed us the last time. Yeah, that's not something that's uncommon uh, that we've heard from a a lot of folks across the state. It is kind of funny coming from Louisville where, you know, we're like, that's the first question. We're in good shape. So (laughs) it is it is just a (laughs) totally different perspective. Um, So you talked earlier when you talked about disability advocacy um, being important to you that on the state level, we aren't having these kinds of conversations. So we want to, you know, have that conversation with you. What are the ways in which the state government might be able to do something about um, helping out folks with disabilities, supporting people with disabilities? Um, And and what are some bills you hope to sponsor or movements that you'd like to lead in the legislature to ensure that folks in Kentucky who have special needs are getting those needs met? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Um, So I, my experience, my personal experience has really led me to discover what the state is lacking in. And I think that's what's so beneficial about sending a mom to the legislature is that we have this personal experience and this personal fight inside of us for our children um, to make things happen and to make change happen. So my son um, that has autism is now 14. Puberty, COVID, and middle school all happened at the same time. So disaster. And um, he became really aggressive. You know, he's nonverbal. Behavior is a form of communication. So his form of communication was scratching, was hitting, was slapping. So we really needed help. We needed help with respite care. We needed eventually 24-7 care for him for a little while because it became a safety issue of keeping our other children safe at home as well as our son. Kentucky does not have enough residential services. And the few that they do are open to foster care children or children with abuse and neglect backgrounds. So if you come from a loving home, parents that have done everything for that child, you do not get into these programs, which is ridiculous. We, we should reward those people. Plus, you have to give up custody if you want your child to enter these programs so that they can get paid by the state, which I had no idea and I found absolutely ridiculous. So I tell everyone I know that this is total crap. Plus Medicaid waivers. So we've had a Medicaid waiver for our son. We have we have insurance. It's our it's our secondary. We have Tricare because my husband's in the military. Wonderful insurance. But we've had this Medicaid waiver for Ben since he was two and he was diagnosed early. We lost our Medicaid waiver because if you don't use it, you lose it. And he was at a higher level of care for six months. So we can't double dip, right? He's in the hospital. He's receiving that higher level of care. So we didn't need that that Medicaid waiver. But when he comes out of it, we won't have it. And the wait list to get it back is seven years, which is ridiculous. We, we, we have to do better. We are not serving not only the children, but the families that feel like they're drowning, that feel like they are alone in the world, that feel like the government just doesn't care. I met a gentleman in Harrison County that was 85 years old, and he is taking care of his disabled sister that is 76. And he said, I don't know who to call. I've called people in Frankfurt and no one will help me. And he said to me, I'm having a hard time helping her bathe. And I I mean, I, I can't sleep at night knowing that all of these circumstances are happening in people's homes. And And yeah, it's not comfortable to talk about, right? I don't want to have to tell you that my son hits me when he's frustrated, but it's necessary because we have to get these services in place to be supported so that our kids can get through these rough patches or just adulthood in general. 
Um, so I've met with Tina Bojanowski um, already, and we are ready to hit the ground running. Um, another candidate running for office is Kelly Jones. She has a son with Down syndrome. I mean, we've got some powerful moms on the ticket and already in legislature, and we are so ready to to hit it and and let everybody know our personal stories so that we can help others through that. And that was just really eloquently stated. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, you know, that those those are really powerful things. And in legis- what you want in a legislator is somebody who understands an issue like viscerally like that and also understands the the needs that they have in ways to make it better. I mean, there are so many great stories that we've heard from the past several years about issues like this where people have some sort of terrible experience that honestly, these are the ones that have a chance to get fixed in Frankfurt. Um, it's really tough to get stuff through with a, a Republican supermajority, but I do think stories like this are powerful and can make those really hard to move wheels start to move. And, and with that being said, um, you know, you mentioned working with Representative Bojanowski, friend of the show. We love Tina. We have for years. Um, but our, you know, this seems like an issue that's like the potential for bipartisanship should be should be easy, should be should be there. So I am curious, besides Representative Bojanowski, are there anybody else? Uh, is there anybody else in Frankfurt that you've been able to connect with? Um, are there other folks in the legislature who, who you're ready to work with on this issue? Um, well, of course, Al Gentry, you know, is, is one of my buddies and yeah. he has formed the, the disability caucus. Um, so he's ready. So, you know, a, a lot of my Democratic friends are fired up as far as walking or working across party lines. Guys, I'm married to a Republican. He is in the National Guard. He's a major. He's been in for 19 years. We're, we're reaching year 20 soon. Um, and he he and I don't see eye to eye on a lot of political issues. But there are some issues that at the root of it is just helping people, helping people survive and thrive and grow. And it's a no brainer. So, so, I mean, really, I have no problem reaching out to the Republicans and and saying, you know, guys, this is the bottom line. We have to put um, at the end of the day, those, those biases to the side. And I, I can get along with anybody because we've been married for 15 years and we're rocking it. And, um, you know, if he talks about Trump too much, he has to sleep on the porch, but it's fine. Um, it's covered. You know, we have a covered porch, so he'll be okay. But um, so we make it work. Yeah. And and that's what I want to bring to to Frankfurt. Like, you know, we've got to stop this. Oh, my goodness. This not even being able to speak to each other in the hallway. And, and we have to focus on what is needed to make our state better. And this is what I'm going to bring to the table. Yeah, it sounds like you you work on bipartisanship every day. <laughs> every day. I wake up to it. <laughs> We've gotten to talk about your passion for disability advocacy, and that's definitely you know one of your major issues. Um, but legislators work on a lot of different stuff. Um, so what other issues are you passionate about? Yeah, so, um, and that's what I'm excited about. So one of the things when I go and I talk to people, I talk to groups or, or individuals when I'm door knocking is hearing what's important to them because I have a story and I love sharing it and I, everybody has a story and I want to hear what's important to them. Substance abuse is a big issue, um, especially in Mason County. And, and we're constantly um, we're constantly trying to figure out we have a mental health agency, but it's just, it, it just, the issue keeps increasing. So we have got to do something about that. Um, obviously, women's issues are uh, really personal to me, um, and we have a lot to do on that front as well. Um, and mental health, you know, mental health coincides uh, 
some with special needs. I don't want everyone to think that, you know, if, if you have autism, you have mental health issues, but it's definitely, um, especially with COVID, we don't know how it's affected our children. I have 10 year old twins as well. Um, add that to my plate. Um, so, you know, they've, they've been through this mess with being at, at school, um, at home, not, not knowing what's going on with the numbers back and forth. We, we don't even know the effect it's going to have on them. So, so big advocate of mental health. Um, there, there are so many things I'm excited to work on. I just can't even name them all. Um, but at the root of all these issues are, are people. And, and that's what I want to remind everyone of. And I want to focus on is, is we have to get past um, our biases, our differences and focus on the people of Kentucky so that we can take care of them. Yeah, that's that's again really well stated. Uh, yeah, there's lots of issues, and those are all <laughs> really important ones. Uh, you know, not, not and I think if we if we get uh, the folks elected that we've been talking to, uh, you'll have a lot of friends on on all those issues. So that's that's really good to hear. Um, yeah. So just lastly, before we let you go, um, if people are inspired by what you have to say, or they live in your district and they want better representation, how can they learn more about you uh, or or join your campaign? Absolutely. So I'm on Facebook. Um, Megan is M-E-A-G-A-N um, Brannon um, with an O-N at the end. And uh, you can look me up through there. All of my information is on there. MeganBrannonKY.com is my website. I have an ActBlue account for donations. You know, fundraising is still really important right now. Um, so so any of those ways, I'm gladly give out my cell phone number. I, I want to talk to every possible constituent and hear their concerns. And again, I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, independent. I want you to feel like your representative is hearing you and is taking that issue to Frankfurt. And right now we don't have that and we deserve it. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Megan Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate you having you on. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Jasmine, how can folks find out more about us? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at my old KY pod. They can like our Facebook page and listen to our show on the podcast app of their choice. We also have a newsletter with our show notes that comes out on Friday mornings. You can subscribe to it at tinyletter.com slash my old Kentucky newsletter. And we've got a Patreon page where you can support what we're doing for as little as a dollar a month. You can do that at patreon.com slash my old Kentucky podcast. And last but not least, we're part of the Demcast Network. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.